Hello, friends. It's December 2nd. I hope you're doing well and looking forward to our next leg of the journey on this one-year Bible tour guide podcast. My name is David McAdam, and I have the special joy of reading with you from the book of Daniel in the Old Testament and the first epistle of John in the New Testament. It's difficult to imagine someone failing to see the divine thumbprint on these writings that give such evidence to supernatural aspects of predictive prophecy in the book of Daniel and the simple yet profound ultimate truths of John's letter. What a blessing to have an eternal viewpoint on the timeline of history and the central role of the Son of Man, the Son of God, the anointed ultimate priest, prophet, and king in the purposed reconciliation, redemption, and restoration of God's rule in the hearts of mankind. Remember, history is his story, and our story is part of a larger story, so let's get into the story today. We will be reading from Daniel chapter 9 from the English Standard Version, Daniel's Prayer for His People, the book of Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius the son of Ahasuerus, by descent Amid, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely seventy years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking Him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame, as at this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. For we have rebelled against him, and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses the servant of God have been poured out upon us, because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers, who ruled us, by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole of heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and have made a name for yourself, as at this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. 
O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy hill. Because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy, and for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Gabriel brings an answer. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. The Seventy Weeks Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Then for sixty-two weeks it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in a troubled time. And after the sixty-two weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off, and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed, and he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week, and for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering." and on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate, until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. Chapter 10. Daniel's Terrifying Vision of a Man In the third year of Cyrus king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the twenty-fourth day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is, the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen, with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, 
his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of the burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia, and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia, and when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. Chapter 11 The Kings of the South and the North And as for me, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. And this concludes our reading from today's portion from the Old Testament from the book of Daniel. In the second half of the book of Daniel, we have had the record of the following visions. Number one, the first vision of the four beasts. In Daniel chapter 7, God allowed Daniel to see the nations from his point of view. The beasts of Babylon, the lion, Medo-Persia, the bear, Greece, the leopard, and Rome, the nameless beast. Number two, the second vision of the two beasts. In Daniel chapter 8, the Medo-Persian empire, that is, the ram, is attacked by Greece, the goat. The great single horn on the head between the eyes represent Alexander. Once he dies, and the single horn is broken off, four horns grow, representing the four parts of the empire. 
Then the small horn that grows makes its appearance, representing the Syrian king Antiochus Epiphanes, foreshadowing the future Antichrist. Number three, the third vision is a timetable of 70 weeks of years, that's 490 years, and the events that will proceed and lead up to the Messianic kingdom in Daniel chapter 9. Once again, the angel Gabriel delivers this information. Chapter 9 begins Daniel's intercession for the immediate restoration of Jerusalem. Daniel has studied the prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah concerning the time of the captivity lasting 70 years. In Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 11 and 12, and chapter 29, verse 10. Therefore, he knew the time of their captivity was about up. He believed God's word and has been setting his face towards Jerusalem three times a day in prayer for more than 66 years. He confesses not just his own sins, but the sins of the nation, and makes his appeal to the mercies and forgiveness that can only come from the Lord. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 9. Daniel recognizes that their captivity was the promised consequence of their national disobedience in Daniel chapter 9, verses 5 through 15. Yet he is concerned that the captives have not learned their lesson. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come on us. Yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquity and giving attention to your truth. Daniel chapter 9, verse 13. This lack of repentance stirs Daniel to intercede for his people. He asks that the people be restored to the promised land and the temple rebuilt for the Lord's own sake. He appeals to the righteousness of the Lord and his mercies. O oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we are not presenting our supplications before you on account of any merits of our own, but on account of your great compassion. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action. For your own sake, O my God, do not delay, because your city and your people are called by your name. Daniel chapter 9, verses 18 and 19. Daniel's prayer joins the growing list of prayers that are recorded in the ninth chapters of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Daniel. Ezra chapter 9 is Ezra's confession of sin on behalf of the people, Nehemiah chapter 9 is Nehemiah's confession of sin on behalf of the people. And now in Daniel chapter 9, we have Daniel's confession of sin on behalf of the people. The Lord answers this prayer the moment Daniel starts praying. This is an example of the Lord's willingness to answer prayer, a willingness prophesied in Isaiah chapter 65 verse 24. It will also come to pass that before they call, I will answer, and while they are still speaking, I will hear. Isaiah chapter 65, verse 24. Notice the chronology. In 606 B.C., Babylon began to attack Judah. Jeremiah prophesied Judah's 70-year captivity in 605 B.C., and Daniel prayed this prayer in the first year of Darius's reign in 539 B.C. Cyrus issued his decree permitting the captives to return in 538 B.C., in 537 B.C., about 50,000 Jews returned with Zerubbabel and Joshua the high priest. Considering that 70 is a round number, Jeremiah's prophecy is a great testimony to the accuracy of prophecy. There are some scholars who believe that the captivity should be marked from the destruction of the temple in 586 B.C. 
and the captivity not ending until the second temple was built and dedicated in 515 BC, equaling approximately 70 years, or 71. Both calculations make sense and therefore not worthy of heavy debate. The angel Gabriel brings a vision of God's timetable to Daniel. Seventy weeks of years, that is 490 years, have been decreed for his people and the holy city to accomplish six things. The first three had to do with sin. Number one, to finish the transgression of the Jewish people. Number two, to make an end of sin, Israel's national sins. Number three, to make an atonement for iniquity, reconciliation through the cross of Jesus Christ, Israel's Messiah. The next three have to do with righteousness. Number four, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Number five, to seal up vision and prophecy. When Christ returns, there will be no need for the visions of the prophets. And number six, to anoint the most holy place, the sanctifying of the future temple. In Ezekiel chapters 40 through 48, the Messiah will come to the city of Jerusalem in 483 years. So, you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks it will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Daniel chapter 9 verse 25 Because the decree spoken of here is not the decree for rebuilding the temple, but most likely the decree of Artaxerxes given to Nehemiah to rebuild the city walls of Jerusalem in 445 B.C., if you count 483 solar years from the year 445 B.C., you will end up with A.D. 29 or 30, which takes us to the time of the ministry of Jesus of Nazareth on earth. This anointed one will not be permitted to rule. The people will cry out, We have no king but Caesar. In John chapter 19, verse 15, We will not have this man to reign over us. In Luke chapter 19, verse 14, Therefore he was cut off. Then after the sixty-two weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing, and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and its end will come with a flood. Even to the end there will be war, desolations are determined. Daniel chapter 9, verse 26. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. He was crucified, providing atonement for the sins of those whom the Father would give him out of the world. In 70 A.D., the prophecy of the destruction of the city and the sanctuary comes to pass. The remainder of the prophecy takes us to the tribulation period and the work of the Antichrist. And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week, but in the middle of the week he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering, and on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Chapter 10 of Daniel describes Daniel's preparation for the last vision. The narrative from chapter 10 to 12 is one unit and takes place in the third year of Cyrus's reign from 536 B.C. The first remnant of Jews had left with Zerubbabel to rebuild the temple. Daniel is in his mid-80s and not able to make the trip. He is troubled by his vision of the last days and perhaps also by the news that the attempt to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem is being met with resistance. 
as described in Ezra chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. After three weeks of fasting and mourning, Daniel has a vision of a man dressed in linen, with a belt of gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body is like topaz, his face like the brilliance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and feet like the gleam of polished bronze, and the sound of his words are like the sound of a multitude. The description of the man resembles John's description of Jesus appearing to him on the island of Patmos in Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. Warren Wearsby defends the view that the man in Daniel chapter 10 is a Christophany. Quote, Frequently in the biblical account of salvation history, you find the Lord Jesus Christ appearing to his servants at special times, either to deliver a special message or to prepare them for a special ministry. He usually appeared in a fashion compatible with their circumstances or their calling. To Abraham, the pilgrim, Jesus came as a traveler, in Genesis chapter 18. But to Jacob, the schemer, he came as a wrestler, in Genesis chapter 32. Before Joshua attacked Jericho, Jesus came as captain of the Lord's armies, in Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. And to Isaiah, he revealed himself as the king on the throne, in Isaiah chapter 6 and John chapter 12, verses 37 through 41. But to the two Jewish exiles, Daniel in Babylon in the Old Testament and the Apostle John on Patmos in the New Testament, Jesus appeared as the glorified king and priest. After seeing the Son of God, both men were given visions of future events that involved the people of God, events that would be difficult to accept and understand. End quote. From the Bible Exposition Commentary by Warren Wearsby. Daniel alone saw the vision. The men who were with him did not see it, but sensed the supernatural presence and fled. Daniel fell to the earth in a deep sleep. Then a hand touched Daniel. He is told that there was a spiritual battle, and the delivery of the answer to his prayer was resisted for twenty-one days, but the angel was helped by the assistance of Michael. Michael is a warrior archangel who deals with satanic forces in the book of Revelation also. The one who had the appearance of a man assures Daniel that he is esteemed by those in heaven, and that he has come to give him an understanding of what will happen in the future. He said, O man of high esteem, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. Daniel chapter 10 verse 19. Daniel records his gratitude. Now as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength and said, May my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. He is assured that God is in control despite adverse circumstances. What an encouraging word for our day. Now before our time runs out, let's quickly go to the New Testament for our reading from John's first epistle. 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through chapter 3, verse 6. Warning Concerning Antichrists Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, 
but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Children of God, and now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Chapter 3 See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. This concludes today's portion from the New Testament. Let's take a few moments to reflect. Both the book of Daniel and the first epistle of the Apostle John remind us that we are engaged in a spiritual battle that has lasted for centuries. Both the Old Testament passage and the New Testament passage that we read today refer to the Antichrist. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, Children, it is the last hour, and just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. The last hour is an eschatological term referring to the time that began with Christ coming into the world. Satan opposes the message of Christ. The end of this hour will begin with the coming of the Antichrist. In chapter 2, verse 22, chapter 4, verse 3, 2 John, chapter 7, and 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 3 and following. John describes the reality that there will be some professing believers who have never surrendered to Christ, even though they may have claimed at one time to believe. They turn away from the faith or apostatize. John refutes those who believe that they can have a relationship with God the Father without God the Son in 1 John chapter 2, verse 23. Jesus himself taught this also in John chapter 5, verse 23 and John chapter 16, verse 6. John affirms the role of the indwelling Holy Spirit, whom he calls the Anointing, who will always witness to the preeminence of Christ, the deity of Christ, the truth of God's Word, and the reality of eternal life. The Holy Spirit bears witness to our salvation. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. 
the Apostle John makes an argument that a true child of God will practice righteousness and love other Christians despite differences. And what a marvelous privilege it is to be placed into this eternal family as a legal heir of God and joint heir with Christ. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies himself just as He is pure. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1-3 through 3. And now we move to our next stop in our Bible reading tour, the book of Psalms, Psalm 121, verses 1-8. through 8. My help comes from the Lord, a song of ascents. Psalm 121 I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. May the majesty of the ancient hills and mountains trigger your awareness of the fact that your help comes from the King of creation, the Maker of heaven and earth. You are under His watch care. His eye is on you. He will not allow your foot to slip, so heed His counsel. Not only is the Lord on the throne looking down upon us, but He is near us. He is at our side as our comforter, shield, and protector. He protects us day and night and in all kinds of weather. He is your passport control, guiding your going out and coming in. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. Psalm 121 verses 7 and 8 And now for our final stop in our tour today, Proverbs chapter 28 verses 27 and 28. Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. When the wicked rise, people hide themselves, but when they perish, the righteous increase. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 27 praises generosity and notes that the generous are rewarded when they give to the poor. They usually do not miss what they give away, but those who turn a blind eye to those in need will be cursed by their own selfishness. Verse 28 reminds us that when wicked men are removed from government, there is an opportunity for the righteous to fulfill their good purposes. While wicked men are in power, the righteous are occupied with fleeing rather than flourishing. Let's pray in the light of what we have learned reading His Word. Lord of hosts, we are reminded that we are in a spiritual battle. You are victor, and you have promised that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church that you are building. We are also reminded that you have established a timetable in relationship to your people Israel, and your timing is perfect. We also know that you have given promises to the church that no man knows the day or the hour, but we are to expect and look for the return of Christ. 
We thank you for the Holy Spirit, the anointing from above, that establishes his reign in our hearts. We ask that you keep us alive to his ministry and alert to all the attacks of the evil one. Cause us to stand and be strong in the power of his might. In Jesus' name, amen. What we read in the book of Proverbs reminds us that it is good to pray for government stability so that the righteous can be occupied with spreading the good news of the gospel. And we are so grateful for you praying for us and the ministry of the gospel through New Life. We welcome your comments, your prayer requests, your questions, and you can always write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like to receive a written copy of our commentary on each day's reading, you can subscribe at our website, newlife.org. May you be encouraged in your Bible reading, and God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow as we continue in the book of Daniel and 1 John. Until then, shalom. May the peace of the Lord be with you.